It's time, D-Heads. Disney Blue presents Disney On Demand. Every week, Disney Blue lets you relive the magic, the movies, and the memories with celebrity guests, the best of classic Disney, and breaking news on Disney's latest. So put on your ears and give it a little bibbidi-bobbidi-boo. Disney Blue's Disney On Demand is on the air! Now, here's your host, Jonathan Johnson. All right, all of you D-heads, you tuned into another magical installment of Disney Blue's Disney On Demand. And this week for show number 37 for the week of April 23rd, 2013, we want you to let your cares go away. Just let it all slide off your back. A little bit of Hakuna Matata might you add, because we have none other than voice actor veteran Kevin Schoen here with us this week here at Disney On Demand. Kevin has voiced a variety of characters that you've seen from Teacher's Pet, from seasons 2 all the way through the end of the series of Timon and Pumbaa. He's also reprised that role of Timon, taking over for Nathan Lane on House of Mouse and many other projects. He's been part of Balto, Stuart Little. He was the voice of comedy for ABC and many other things. And we have this voice actor veteran, Kevin Schoen, stopping in here this week to share his stories, his career, and all the fun things behind the scenes of his fantastic career voice acting and doing these iconic characters. In addition, we have the D-Team back. That's right, we have Lexi, Jason, and Aaron back once again this week as the D-Team is going to stop my rambling and bring their signature segments on to you. Lexi's going to stop in with a little bit more about our special guest, Kevin Schoen. We also have Jason tapping into the vault as he's going to go deep into Disney's classic films and maybe add one that you want to add to your collection once again to add that magic to your week. We also have Aaron back, the newest D-Team member, as he's going to answer more of your questions with another segment of I Want to Know. We have tons of news hot off the D-Wire, all kinds of magic and fun. It's the 15th anniversary of Disney's Animal Kingdom, so we have all kinds of things lined up here this week for show number 37 for the week of April 23rd, 2013. So as we gear up for the one and only Kevin Schoen stopping in here this week, let's sit back, relax, enjoy, and let's kick off this week's show. What a wonderful phrase. Hakuna Matata. Ain't no passing craze. It means no worries for the rest of your days. It's our problem free philosophy. In their dealings with dressed envelope to Davis and Kirk. Right down that piece. Tonight, join us for an extraordinary first look at Disney's Animal Kingdom at Walt Disney World in Florida with your host, Drew Carey, and our special guests from the Broadway hit The Lion King, Label M, Lady Smith's Black Mombazo. 
Jane Seymour, James Keechan family. Tia Tamara, Taj, and Tavior Mulray. Paul Rodriguez. World-renowned conservationist, Jane Goodall. Will Friedell and Danielle Fischel. Singing sensation, Kimberly Scott. And the animals of Disney's Animal Kingdom. Tonight on The Wonderful World of Disney.
Disney Blues. Disney on demand. Ooh, I thought you were dead. With your host, Jonathan Johnson. What? My dad gave it to me. It shows exactly where we are on the planet. Boop, beep, 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 boop, boop. Was this baby? We'll never be alone. You just tell the man you want to go back to your mother. Alright, all of you D-heads, you tuned into another magical installment of Disney Blues, Disney On Demand, and I hope you're enjoying the kickoff for show number 37 for the week of April 23rd, 2013. And this week we have all kinds of fun lined up. As I already mentioned, we have the one and only, the voice actor veteran Kevin Schoen stopping in here very shortly here at the show. He's going to stop in and talk about his career, the twists and turns, and what just led him into voice acting as a career and voicing the one and only, Timon from The Lion King Timon and Pumbaa TV series, House and Mouse, and many other joys. So Kevin's going to be stopping in here shortly. We also have the D-Team back with their signature segments with Lexi, Aaron, Jason, and all kinds of fun. So before I jump right into the news, hot off the D-Wire here this week, I do want to mention all the different ways that you can stay connected with us here at Disney On Demand. And first and foremost, you can always visit our official website at DizRadio.com. That's D-I-Z Radio.com. There you can find our full list of current shows, past shows, archives, connect up with the D-Team, and you can find all the different news blogs and more right there on the homepage at DizRadio.com. You can also find us on Facebook, AOL Instant Messenger, Instagram, Skype, and Twitter. All you have to do is go to Facebook.com slash Disney On Demand, Facebook.com slash Disney Blue, and that's B-L-U. You can find us on Twitter, Skype, AOL Instant Messenger, and all over the social media outlets. Just type in Disney Blue. Yes, you guessed it. B-L-U. So all of you D-heads, as we're jumping in, we have all kinds of fun lined up here this week. So let's just jump right into news this week, right off the D-wire. And how about this past Monday? Yes, as the Disney's Animal Kingdom celebrated its 15th anniversary. Yes, 15 years ago today, I was down in Orlando celebrating the grand opening of their newest park, Disney's Animal Kingdom. Now, over the years, the park has grown, evolved. You know, at first, it didn't seem like there was too much there, but come on. What park wasn't like that when it first opened as they continue to evolve over time? The biggest thing that I always remember is Countdown to Extinction. Fantastic attraction. I loved it. And then the movie Dinosaur came out. And yes, we all know what happened there. Brand marketing. Because come on, things don't happen unless you market them. And the ride was changed to Dinosaur as we currently know it today. Well, there was a lot of things that happened. And the park first opened on April 22nd, 1998 with a week-long celebration that kicked off this Monday morning at 8.40 a.m. There was a variety of things that were scheduled from Imagineers, entertainers, special happenings. If you were there, you were one of the few and the lucky that got to celebrate the 15th anniversary. So throughout the show here this week, we're going to have some fun. Everything from Expedition Everest to the grand opening ceremonies back in 1998, we're going to bring you all kinds of fun from Disney's Animal Kingdom. Now I got to say, I expect 15 more years out of Animal Kingdom but only if they shy away from Avatar Land and maybe bring back the Beastly Kingdom idea. I mean, I'm still crossing my fingers on that one. So pushing right along here in the news this week, let's go to the small screen and how about Disney Channel? And in the last week, we've heard a variety of different things from them relaunching brand new shows 
from our childhood, from our past, and Disney Channel is reviving Win, Lose, or Draw with Justin Willman as the host. That's right, at the height of his theatrical success, Burt Reynolds did more than drive a Trans Am in Smokey and the Bandit. He also created the TV game show with a good friend, Burt Convey, called Win, Lose, or Draw. Now, the show teamed celebrities with everyday people that aired on both NBC Daytime and in syndication over a number of years. Now, the game show has been announced to return to air thanks to the Disney Channel once again. Disney plans to launch an updated, techno-enhanced version of the game show, teaming two contestants with a Disney star. Now, while the original show from the late 80s and early 90s relied solely on a large drawing pad on top of an easel, the new show is going to have an interactive, multi-touch screen displays, motion control, and other leading-edge technology graphic systems. Now, Justin Willman, who we already know from a variety of things like Cupcake Wars and Cake Wars and, and you name it, he has been signed to be the show's newest host, and we've talked with Justin's agent, and he's going to be here on Disney On Demand once we nail down a premiere date, so stay tuned for that. Now, hosted by Convoy himself, the syndicated Win, Loser, Draw featured Reynolds himself on several of the shows, as well as good friends and actors from Lonnie Anderson and many others. Now, the show was definitely fun. We all remember it. I loved it. And come on, you know, you always watched it after the Mickey Mouse Club aired in the early 90s there. So get ready. It's coming. Win, lose, or draw is coming back to the Disney Channel. Now, since we are on the Disney Channel, let's talk about some premieres. And how about Good Luck Charlie? Now, everybody loves Good Luck Charlie, and the show is currently going into its third season. It's a very fun, family-friendly sitcom. It's not like your typical Disney Channel shows, I guess, that really market just for the teenager. It truly is one that you can sit down and watch as a family, as I do with my children. It really is fun. Well, coming up on April 28th is the new season premiere, kicking off at 7.30, 6.30 Central, Good Luck Charlie is going to debut its third season. Now, what makes this a little more special? How about the fact that the Muppets are coming to Good Luck Charlie? Yes, the Muppets have currently been on a roll since Disney has decided to relaunch and rebrand and bring the Muppets back for everybody who grew up with them to pass down to their children. I am excited that the Muppets are back in action. And now they've been doing a variety of TV appearances. They have another movie in the works. And now coming up on Sunday, April 28th, they are going to be on Good Luck Charlie as the family is renovating their house, making some changes, and who's going to show up to cause some mischief, some mayhem, and maybe just help with a song or two? None other than Kermit the Frog and the gang from the Muppets. So definitely tune in Sunday night, Good Luck Charlie, just to see the Muppets. Even if you'd never seen the show before... Come on, you gotta love some Muppet action. Now, continuing on with the small screen, yeah, we got about one more thing here from the small screen that we'll talk about. How about something that's a little more on the role of charity? And if you follow us on Twitter at Disney Blue, right there on our Twitter feed, we posted a couple of days ago that Disney stars from Austin and Alley were visiting Children's Hospital. Yes, this past week, two stars from Disney Channel's hit show Austin and Alley made a surprise appearance Saturday visiting patients at the Children's Hospital in Erlanger, Tennessee. Now, Ross Lynch and Laura Morano played polar opposite characters Austin and Allie from the hit Disney Channel show Austin and Allie. Now their fun and charismatic personalities were a big hit with patients and their families. As Ross and Laura visited each patient, they talked about their favorite cartoons, their own characters on the show, their travels, and being around the United States. Now one 12-year-old girl, Miss Brewer, was so excited when she saw the stars enter the room, she said, I am a huge fan. I've seen all your episodes. I am truly excited. Now the three of them talked extensively about their favorite episodes. Now they also asked if they were anything like their characters in real life. Now she said, I 
am a lot like Allie, but not as shy. Now, this is great. Even if you have never seen the show, if you've never watched a Disney Channel, this is great. I mean, these children are in Children's Hospital. You know, they're having the, the worst luck. And what better way to bring those smiles, the happiness, the cheers than for these two stars who are a hit right now on the Disney Channel to make an appearance. Now their visit was made possible by Chattanooga Times Free Press and Children's Hospital at Erlanger Kids Expo. So it truly is great humanitarian work and I know all the kids truly were excited. You can see a variety of the photos online at the hospital's official website. Now continuing on with news, let's talk about all the different things that we love from the park and limited time magic and all those fun things. And many things are coming, but now the newest on the horizon is none other than May 24th, 2013. Pencil it into your books. Because on May 24th, 2013, the Magic Kingdom is going to play host to a 24-hour party that's going to feature appearances by Mike Wazowski and James Sully Sullivan from their Monster University meet-and-greet personas as pictured throughout the film Monster University. Now, the Magic Kingdom is going to be updating its Monsters, Inc. Lab Floor attraction so that the jokes and the material presented in honor of the performers' university. Now, also being updated is the duel's permanent meet-and-greet location at the Disney Hollywood Studios, which is going to be transformed from the current Monsters, Inc. work environment to the MU Student Union. There's gonna be a lot of things on the horizon and perhaps quite unsurprisingly, a monorail wrap is scheduled to be in the works as the Monster Rail will make its debut in support of Monster University, kicking off June 21st, 2013. So mark your dates for a 24 hour live party at the Magic Kingdom. We all love the last time they did it on May 24th, 2013. Now, pushing right along in park news, how about California regulators are fining a Disney contractor? Yes, California safety regulators have fined a Disney contractor $60,000 after a worker was injured while cleaning the Space Mountain ride. Now, the California Division of Occupational Safety and Health says that Los Angeles-based HSG Inc. violated several safety rules and the fine was levied on Friday. Now, a 37-year-old contractor fell and suffered broken bones last November while cleaning the exterior of Space Mountain at Disneyland. Now, the Orange County Register reports that the contractor was cited for falling to make sure anchors were provided to the worker. Now, HSG has two weeks to file an appeal, and earlier this week, we already knew that Cal OSHA proposed nearly $235,000 penalty against Disneyland in connection with the contractor's injury. Disney has not made a motion or publicly announced that it will appeal the penalties yet, but it isn't looking good for Disney. Now, since we are talking about the Disney company, how about moving into some other things and more good humanitarian, and how about Disney pledging $1 million for Chinese earthquake victims? In a humanitarian aid for areas affected by the latest earthquake, Lucasfilm president and Disney has offered to help the Chinese earthquake victims by donating over $1 million to the country and help it gain interest and regrowth once again. Now, Kennedy's announcement from Lucasfilm came in Beijing, where she delivered a keynote address at the Chinese capital film market. She also signed a previously announced memorandum of understanding to expand the collaboration between Lucasfilm and Industrial 
Light and Magic, and Beijing-based visual effects company, BaseFX. Now, in her speech, she mentioned that this is going to help the company grow, rebuild, expand, and keep that partnership between Lucasfilm and their special effects company. It truly is grateful they have the money, and now giving this to these earthquake victims, it truly is just a, a really great deed that they're doing here. Now, moving away from the parks and the big screen and all that kind of fun stuff, how about Disney launching a search for the Winnie the Pooh Storyteller of the Year? Yes, this is an all-new release that has hit the scene and to celebrate parents and guardians who foster their children's creativity and teach value lessons through life and storytelling, Disney Consumer Products has launched a nationwide search for the Winnie the Pooh Storyteller of the Year. Now, the Storyteller of the Year user-generated contest taps into the parents' love of Winnie the Pooh and invites them to share their lovable bear story in a creative way through video and use of fun props, including Winnie the Pooh plush toys, puppets, blankets, and other Pooh items. Now to enter, all parents and families need to do is create a simple one-minute video that's sweet like honey, full of wonder or funny, as they put it, and read select Winnie the Pooh stories to their children and show their favorite Pooh items. Now launching from April 22nd through May 15th, videos can be submitted online at DisneyStore.com slash Storyteller or from any mobile device. Now complete rules and a list of prizes can also be found on that official website at DisneyStore.com slash Storyteller. Now as they have released, we invite parents to join Disney in celebrating the art of storytelling and Winnie the Pooh, one of our most beloved characters of all time. Pooh teaches us about friendship, adventure, and to appreciate the simple things in life. Now, through the Storyteller of the Year contest, we hope to capture some of these sweet family moments and encourage parents to use their best storytelling abilities to spark their child's imagination and create long-lasting memories. Now, this is a great way for parents to interact. I know I read every single night to my children, and uh, it really is going to be fun. I mean, this really is something that you can interact, read, have fun, and win some prizes. If you like more about this and the Winnie the Pooh Storyteller of the Year Award, definitely check it out at DisneyStore.com, Pooh Storyteller. Now, moving away from Winnie the Pooh and all those kind of fun things, a couple more things here before we take a little break. How about kicking into some apps? All of us love our apps. We love our phones. We love those apps. We love all those little things. And how about Iron Man 3 has now gotten an app courtesy of Disney and Tesco. Yes, the Stark Armory app is described as a new interactive Marvel experience that will have fans and families across the country enjoying a digital treasure hunt through Tesco stores in search of their own Iron Man. Now, users can indulge in plenty of Stark-themed frivolity, such as placing a picture of themselves in the Mark II armor and sharing this online through a variety of social media outlets. Now, you can also scan codes displayed in-store to unlock future content. Now, Tesco is putting plenty behind with Iron Man 3, which hits cinemas this week on April 25th. Now, retail displays are being installed in over 400 stores across the United States and the UK with a variety of different things. Now, as the official release goes, the Stark Armory app is a brand new way for our customers to join in the excitement about the movie, and it'll add an extra bit of fun to the family shopping trip online and in store. Now, we're delighted to be working with Disney in bringing this unique Marvel app to the Iron Man fans. Definitely check it out. You can look for it on your app store online. And Iron Man 3 is a key driver this year with a variety of different things, including programming on Disney XD and many other things. Definitely check it out. The all-new Stark Armory app for your mobile device. So all of you D-heads, with that said, I'm gonna take a little bit of a break here. I'm gonna stop my rambling. We have our brand new segment coming up, I Want to Know, where all you D-heads always email us questions throughout the week. You send us these emails and we forward them on to our D-team 
Aaron. And he's going to answer these for you. So he's going to tackle them. So if you ever have any questions, shoot him those. But before I let you go, before I release the reins to Aaron, I do want to mention that DizRadio.com is probably sponsored by PixieVacations.com. Whether you want to plan a book to Walt Disney World, Disneyland, California Adventure, or go on a cruise, maybe an adventure by Disney, the trip planning experts at Pixie Vacations can help you with that. Definitely check them out at PixieVacations.com. So, all of you D-heads, with that, I'm going to let you go. I'm going to get a drink. I am stoked because we have Kevin Schoen stopping in here very shortly. There's lots more D-news, hot off the wire, and all kinds of fun. We're just getting started here. So, yeah, okay, I'll shut up. I'll be back shortly, D-heads.
Uh, this is Art LaFleur, and you're listening to Disney On Demand. I've got a big spoiler for this season. We have the Muppets. Sunday, April 28th. Right. This is your dream house right here. Be here for the Muppets debut on Good Luck, Charlie. This is our dream house. Who needs a star or a super-sized closet? Programmable lighting, a super high-tech. A greenhouse, a game room, a guest suite or two. That's not what's important to me and to Let's wrap this up. This is the house of Don't miss the Muppets performance on the season premiere of Good Luck Charlie. Sunday, April 28th at 7.30, 6.30 Central on Disney Channel. Hey, D-Heads, when you aren't enjoying Disney On Demand, head on over to DizRadio.com and listen to our famous Lifetime of Disney Player, where you can while away the hours reliving Disney classics from film, television, and the parks. What are you waiting for? Keep your hands and arms inside at all times and go to DizRadio.com. That's D-I-Z Radio.com. And have a magical day.
right, all of you D-heads. So I hope you're enjoying this week's show so far. We have tons of things hot off the D-wire to talk with. Lots of Disney news here this week. But, yes, I've been slacking. I've been busy. You know, been running around like crazy. So he doesn't have an intro yet. So I'm going to give you a little bit of an intro. How about I do a little bit of a drum roll? All right, didn't sound that great. But here he is once again, our newest DT member. Sorry, Aaron, once again. I will get you an intro. Our newest DT member, Aaron, with the latest answers to many of your questions that you email to us with I Want to Know. Take it away, Aaron. Hey, D-heads. This is Aaron with the latest installment of I Want to Know. Let's reach into the virtual mailbag and see what questions we have this week. Our first question is from Thomas Richmond. He wants to know, in Summer Magic, there's a town called Beulah, Maine. Is it real? And I swear I hear a few songs from the film on Main Street at the Magic Kingdom. Can you confirm? Well, Summer Magic is a 1963 Walt Disney Productions film starring Haley Mills, Burl Ives, and Dorothy McGuire. The film was Mills' fourth of six films for Disney, and the young actress received a Golden Globe nomination for her work. The movie is a musical about Mother Carrie, a Bostonian widow and her three children, who moved to Beulah, Maine. Hosh Potman, played by Burl Ives, helps them move into a rundown old house and fixes it up for them. It's not entirely uninhabited, though. The owner, a Mr. Hamilton, is a mysterious character away in Europe. But Osh assures them he won't mind their living there since he won't be coming home for a long time yet. The children and a cousin who comes to live with them have various adventures before an unexpected visitor shows up. Well, there are several towns called Beulah, but there's not one located in Maine. However, you are correct about hearing songs on Main Street. There are three instrumental versions from the film, Flitterin', Beautiful Beulah, and the title tune, Summer Magic, that are all on the Main Street loop. These songs are done by the Sherman Brothers, who have done so many great Disney songs. There are a couple other nods to the film to be found on Main Street. In the lower part of one of the front windows at the southwest corner entrance to the Emporium is the name Osh Potman, listed as the proprietor of the merchandise store. And the hat shop in Town Square at Walt Disney World is supposedly owned and operated by the two Cary girls. The sign outside listed street address is number 63, which was the year the film was first released. It's these kind of touches that make Walt Disney World so special. Our next question is from Michelle Dizfreak Cupinato, and she asks, How many Parent Trap films were there? I recall at least two with Haley, and then the remake. But my friend is telling me there was another with Haley. This is one of my favorites in a true Disney classic. I have found out it surprised even me. I'm sure we've all seen this movie more than once. The original was released in 1961. Identical twins Susan Evers and Sharon McKendrick, played by the great Haley Mills, meet at summer camp unaware they are sisters. Hilarity ensues and the two girls end up living in a cabin together, isolated from everyone else. They soon realize they are sisters who come from broken homes. They hatch a plan to switch places and meet the other parent they never knew. Of course, they find out the father is about to remarry but the girls want to get their parents back together. Everything comes to a head on the annual family camping trip, and the girls succeed in getting their parents and family back together. Also in this movie are songs performed by the recently departed and 
multi-talented Annette Funicello, including the title song, The Parent Trap. Well, Michelle, your friend was right and wrong. Not only was there the television sequel, The Parent Trap 2 in 1986, but also The Parent Trap 3 1989, and then The Parent Trap 4, Hawaiian Honeymoon, also 1989, and then of course in 98 was the Lindsay Lohan remake of the original Parent Trap. I have to admit I've never seen or even heard of The Parent Trap 4, so I have a new movie to put onto my bucket list. Our last question this week comes from an unnamed listener. They want to know, At Hollywood Studios I remember a show with goosebumps or something kids horror related. Am I right? Well, you're absolutely right. It was Goosebumps Horrorland Fright Show. It was a funhouse-style show that appeared briefly during the Halloween season of 1997 at Disney's Hollywood Studios, then known as Disney's MGM Studios, on the streets of America. Basically, it was a magic show in which frightfully scary illusions come to life. Among the ghouls in the cast are the Executioner, who performs the Terror of the Tower, instructs the audience to hold on to your heads. The Amazing Amazo, the Master of Magic and Wizard of Wonder, Curly, the Host of Horror, the Sultan of Scare, Sloppy, a dummy who is no dummy, Prince Koru, a mummy who comes back from the dead, and Cuddles, the hungry hamster that got too big. In 98, the Goosebumps characters returned, this time as part of a motorcade and book signing from R.L. Stein, the creator of the series. There are some great videos on YouTube under Goosebumps Live, Disney MGM Studios. I never personally got to see this show, but it sure looks like it was a fun one. Well, that concludes this week's installment of I Want to Know. Keep all the great questions coming in. Make sure you include your name and city, and I'll give you credit on the air for your question. Questions can be sent to me at Aaron, E-R-I-N, at DizRadio.com. We'll see you next week. First came the Magic Kingdom, then Epcot, then Disney MGM Studios. And now... Introducing the most adventurous Walt Disney World theme park ever. Disney's Animal Kingdom. The imagination of Disney. Gone wild. Born on the wrong end of the leash, she was a dreamer. And a little schemer. Hmm. I thought he must live in a dog's life. But when you hear the bell for school, That's one day he says, I'll take a chance. In a glance, school becomes his favorite pastime. I have buried a bone for the last time. He said, I want to be a boy. He's a regular Einstein, and Leonard is treading a fine line. Can I be a normal kid like any other? Now, Hi, this is Bill Farmer, the voice of Goofy. And you're listening to Disney On Demand. So all of you D-heads, I'm back once again. I hope you're enjoying this show. It's a lot of fun here this week as we celebrate the 15th anniversary 
of Disney's Animal Kingdom, we have none other than voice actor veteran Kevin Schoen stopping in here at the show to share his stories, his voice acting talent, and many other things. So lots of fun on the horizon. And I do want to thank our DT member Aaron for doing all that research and all that fun with his I Want to Know segment. Thank you, Aaron, for stopping in. Remember, if you want to contact Aaron directly, you can always email him through the Diz Radio website at dizradio.com, D-I-Z radio.com. So as we're gearing up, we have lots more on the horizon here. Like I said, we have Kevin Schoen stopping up. We have our DT member from Down Under, Lexi, here. We still have Jason with the vault. Lots of fun. So let's just jump right back in to news this week and head on overseas to Tokyo, Japan. That's right. Profits are up nearly 20% at Tokyo Disney Resorts due to a record 804 million year. Yes, the 30th anniversary celebration this year has predicted to push revenue and crowds even higher. Now this year, Tokyo Disneyland is celebrating its 30th anniversary with lots of fun, lots of excitement. The one thing that they do have that I do miss is the Mickey Mouse review, but it has been released that profits are up nearly 20% so far with a record $804 million year. Now Oriental Land pays royalties to Disney for the licenses and the rights to its characters, but has no capital ties to the U.S. company. Now Tokyo is the first Disney resort outside of the United States when it opened in 1983, and Tokyo Disney Sea was added in 2001. Now the two resorts have now attracted well north over a half a billion people between the two of them, and they are just continuing to soar. Disney Sea just is a fantastic park. You haven't had a chance to check it out. Look for it online. It is fantastic. Well, happy birthday to Tokyo Disneyland this year, and. Uh, Record profits. Can't argue with that. Now, getting back to some good Samaritan deeds through Disney, how about the Children's Advocacy Center was awarded over $10,000 in grants through the Disney Helping Kids Shrine grants program. Now, the center provides services for children who have been physically, emotionally, or sexually abused or neglected. Now, this initiative from the Walt Disney World Resort supports organizations that help big strong futures for children in Central Florida. As they have released, we are grateful for Disney's donation to the center. The donation, as well as Disney's ongoing support, is crucial to ensuring the needs of children in Polk County are met. Now, the Children Advocacy Center is often the first step of child victims of abuse as they begin their long journey toward healing. Now, funds from Disney's Helping Kids Shrine grant many of these to help supplement the Children's Center's clothing closet and provide financial assistance to help meet children's basic needs. In addition to the Children's Home Society of Florida, over 59 other organizations have stepped up and helped donate, totaling over $1.5 million from Disney's Helping Kids Shrine program. Now, getting back to the big screen again, how about Tomorrowland? Now, everybody knows that Tomorrowland is a highly anticipated Disney movie, We still really don't know what it's going to be about, but everybody knows that it was hopping. We wanted to find out more about it, and the Christmas season of 2014 is going to have the final chapter of the Hobbit movies there and back again in 2014, but it's also going to bring a little bit of sci-fi. Tomorrowland is an all-new movie that is being directed by Brad Bird, and it's set to star George Clooney in the lead roles as a man who discovers the door into another world. Now, the script was kept tightly under wraps for a long time, but recently details have begun to leak as Disney begun prepping film for production, and of course, that's when the marketing happens. Now, they have revealed the newest cast member to join Tomorrowland, a young new actress from Britain named Raffi Cassidy, whose character will play an integral role throughout the story. Now, she currently has played a young version of Kristen Stewart's character in Snow White and the Huntsman, and it's also depicted that the childhood version of Eve Green's character in Dark Shadows. 
Now, more recently, she starred alongside Jeremy Piven in a period drama called Mr. Selfridge for the UK on the UK channel ITV. Now, she's going to play one of the film's principal characters, and it's going to be that of a female robot called Athena, who, despite her appearance, has been around for decades and first met Frank Walker, a.k.a. George Clooney, when they both physically became the same age. Now, despite early attempts to keep the plot of the film tightly under wraps, a synopsis was pieced together a few weeks ago based on the film's casting call. Now, this film is going to be coming out very soon. Everybody loves it. For a long time, it was called 1952, but now it is called Tomorrowland. Let's just see what that's going to bring in Christmas of 2014, but she is the newest member to join the cast. Now, since we are talking about movies, how about Disney cutting jobs? And we've talked about Disney cutting jobs quite some time here. We talked about it last week here at the show, and Disney is going to cut jobs based off business dropping over the release of DVD sales for Brave and many other. Now, the company has already announced that it would be axing over 150 jobs from its film studio division as part of a cost review. Now, Chief Executive and Chairman Bob Iger also acknowledged earlier this year that the operating income decline in home entertainment and theatrical businesses during the first quarter was part in poor retail performances of Brave and a re-release of Cinderella. He said home entertainment results face a difficult comparison given the release of Cars 2 and The Lion King last year. Now, the Pixar animated film set in Scotland was fantastic. It was fun, but it didn't perform as much as they wanted. And now Disney is cutting jobs because of that. Let's just hope it doesn't put a snap into their production process and releasing fantastic films to pass on for generations. Now, as we're wrapping up news, how about two more things? And how about a PSA? Getting back to the Disney Channel here this week, how about Disney Channel star Jake Short and Pastor Joel Olstein's niece fighting hunger in an all-new PSA? Jake Short, star of Disney's hit show Ant Farm, and Olivia Olstein, the niece of famous televangelist Pastor Joel Olstein, have taken airways to promote Blessings in a Backpack, a nationwide charity aimed at fighting hunger throughout schools. Now, the campaign is highlighted by a public service announcement produced by Sound Tree Entertainment's Greg James Blout, who recruited two of today's brightest young stars to an issue to help keeping American school children from going hungry at home and on the weekends. Now, through Blessings in a Backpack, each Friday, volunteers donate their time putting food in backpacks of underprivileged children heading home for the weekend. In many cases, their homes are without food, and some of the children have no home at all. For only $80, the program can feed one child for 38 weeks throughout the school year. Now, the PSA spot shows Jake and Olivia's efforts packing backpacks and detailing how others can help just as well. Now it was filmed and produced by Pastor Joel Olstein's famed Lakewood Church in Houston, Texas and edited and made by a student filmmaker. Now Jake and Olivia actually supported their own school, said Blout. Jake supports the Village Academy in Florida where he visited his school last year. This is a great cause. Many children, you know, they don't have food and they really need to help this out. And, you know, as long as they can do it discreetly so nobody feels, um, you know, uh, placed out or, uh, you know, just like an outcast because there are those kids that are going to make fun of them or tease them anyways. As long as they do it discreetly, I think this is a great cause. Now, to wrap up news, I had a couple more things, but you know what? I'm just going to end it right there. I'm just going to wrap it up. We have lots of fun on the horizon. We have Kevin Schoen stopping here shortly. We have our DT member from Down Under, Lexi, Jason, and many other things. So you know what? I'm just going to push the rest of this news aside. If you want to find out more about the latest headlines and more, follow us on Twitter at twitter.com slash DisneyBlue or friend us on Facebook at facebook.com slash DisneyBlue or you can also like us on Facebook at facebook.com slash DisneyOnDemand. So all of you D-heads, 
That's it. I'm just going to push it aside. I'm stoked. We got voice actor veteran Kevin Schoen stopping in here shortly. So I'm going to sit back, get a drink, have some fun, and we're going to prep up the studios here for Kevin to be stopping in shortly. Until then, I'm going to release the reins to our DT member from Down Under, Lexi, as she's going to give you a little bit more about our special guest. We have more Animal Kingdom fun and all kinds of magic and memories here this week. So, yes, of course, this isn't the last you've heard of me, D-Heads. I will be back the next time speaking with the one and only Kevin Schoen. Throughout today's performance, please refrain from buzzing, stinging, and pollinating. And no chirping. Thank you. And now, put your wings together for the host of our show, everyone's favorite ant, Flick! Psst! Fireflies! Fireflies! Up here! No, over here. Way over here. Way over, a little more. Little more. Little less. Perfect. Oh, and hi, hi, hello, and 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 welcome. Welcome to our show. You know, we've been doing this act for over three hundred million years. And with bugs making up more than eighty percent of the animal world, we're the biggest cast of them all. Still, you guys just don't seem to see us, so uh that's why we gave you the special bug eyes. Now go go ahead, put put them on. Need, huh? Yeah, no, now you're all honorary bugs. When you wish upon a star Makes no difference who you are Anything your heart desires And come If your heart is in your dream, no request is too extreme. When you wish upon a star as
we all appreciate the hard work of our favourite voice actors. I think that here at Disney Blues, Disney On Demand, we are very lucky to have so many of these talented Disney family members dropping by all the time. Each week I get to research something new, and someone new, and I get to learn a little bit more about what it is that I love. Disney, of course. Well, this week is another exciting one. Our special guest is none other than Mr. Kevin Shun. Kevin has lent his voice to so many beloved characters, both from Disney and beyond. Most notably for us D-heads, we can all hear Kevin as Timon, since The Lion King 2 and The Lion King's Timon and Pumbaa TV series. He's such a funny guy. Kevin has had a fascinating career, and voice acting wasn't even his original calling. Get this. He was developing and teaching design theory to IBM field engineers while he was a senior advisory systems engineer for IBM for over 10 years. He even got to live in Tokyo. I think that's pretty cool. Kevin has such diversity in his talents. It was in the early 90s that he changed his career path and became a voice actor in LA. Kevin began studying, acting, and voice acting work around the same time, and he started out as a voice double for the hilariously fabulous Nathan Lane. Kevin is such a great singer, and his voice has such humour in life. We are so lucky to have this member of the Disney family with us this week. I must say, I am a little starstruck. Kevin's career has had such a strong connection with Nathan Lane's, as he also took over Nathan's role as Snowball in Stuart Little, playing the cheeky cat in Stuart Little, the animated series, and Stuart Little 3, Call of the Wild. I think that's pretty cool. Now, as Timon, Kevin sung the theme song for The Lion King's Timon and Pumbaa TV show, and he lent his voice to over 120 episodes. That is no small feat. What a Disney triumph. Kevin is certainly dedicated to the role and has contributed so much to the modern Disney that we all love. Also, this is pretty cool. From time to time, Kevin stood in as Pumbaa as well. <laughs> I think that's really great, getting to play two such good friends. Alongside Timon and Pumbaa, Kevin's voice is also in House of Mouse as the bashful and friendly Happy, and the 101 Dalmatian series as none other than our friend Pongo. This week's special guest voice can also be heard across a range of mediums, from TV to movies, short films, and even video games. Also, Kevin worked on the fabulous show Teacher's Pet, where he played both Spot and Scott. They have quite different voices to Timon, so it's great that Kevin could explore his range of voices. And aren't we lucky? Here is something interesting that I'm sure cartoon lovers will appreciate. 
Kevin worked on The Tick comic, voicing both villains and superheroes. Outside of animation, Kevin was the comedy voice of the ABC television network for three years. He voiced all the promotions for family comedies, including Home Improvement, The Drew Carey Show, Roseanne, and even Ellen. And here is something else that I think is pretty cool. As an Ed Bundy fan, Kevin worked on over 40 episodes of Married with Children. Not only as a voice actor, he even appeared on screen a few times. Wow! <laughs> Kevin Shun's career has been so vibrant, he never seems to stop improving his skills. Disney is certainly very lucky to have him as part of the family. In 1999, Kevin helped to start up the very useful Ask Jeeves, or Ask.com, and later on he was a co-producer of Fat Boy the Musical in the UK. That's pretty cool. I also read somewhere that Kevin became a skillful Reiki master practitioner in 2009, and also has an interest in collecting crystals and minerals. More recently, Kevin runs a private consulting practice that incorporates his various interests and life experiences. I think it's so great that Kevin can take his range of talents and interests and use them to help others. We really need more people like that. With such a successful life, Kevin has lived all around the world, not only in Tokyo and California, but in London, New York City, Colorado and New Hampshire. <laughs> On a personal level, he has two children and a dog named Jake. Who knows what awesome activity our special guest will tackle next, but all I can say is I'm sure it's going to be great. Thank you, Kevin Sean. Without you, Disney certainly would not be the same.
Lights, camera, action. It's time for this week's Disney On Demand special guest. All right, all of you Disney fans, you tuned in to another magical installment of Disney Blues, Disney On Demand. And this week, as we continue to bring you the magic and the memories from all the Disney things that you love, from television, movies, and more... We brought one of those characters with us here, none other than a voice actor that you've uh, heard a variety of times all over. You've also heard him on the Timon and Pumbaa show, taking over for Nathan Lane's role as Timon, and many other series. Welcome, Kevin Sean, to Disney On Demand. A quarter counter, Jonathan. How are you? Uh, it is our pleasure having you on. I mean, uh, somebody with your capabilities, voice acting. I mean, you know, many people think voice acting is so easy and so simple, but uh, we know better. And, uh, you know, having you on with uh, your great resume is just an honor. Oh, thank you so much for having me. You know, uh, you know but I guess uh, before we get into that, you know, voice acting actually is your uh, second career. So originally you started off doing something else. And uh, I guess what led you down that role of uh, voice acting? Ah, that's true. I actually was... Uh... I was an engineer. I worked for IBM for almost 10 years. Um, and I was, uh, I was a, a teacher. I was a senior advisory engineer and I taught, uh, design theory for IBM, uh, for a communication system that was state of the art at the time and today we would laugh at it. This was, uh, back in, uh, the 80s, uh, when, uh, there was no, no, no internet. There were, uh, you know, we still had dial-up modems and acoustic couplers, and it was all very, very magical that you could do what we could do. And uh, I just, just wound up in this position where I was teaching what I knew to people who were coming out of college with advanced degrees who didn't know anything about this particular system or how to design it. And I had so much fun teaching, uh, and I started taking improv acting classes to uh, improve my ability to sort of think on my feet and, and, and work with large groups of people. And that led me to an interest in theater. This I was in living in Denver at the time. I grew up in San Diego but moved to Denver. And then which IBM used to used to make a joke about it. I've been moved. So once you go to work for them they just they start moving you all over. So I, I went to from San Diego uh to Denver, to Irvine, to Santa Clara up in Northern California. Uh, and then they sent me to Japan for, uh, for three years. I went to Tokyo, lived in Tokyo for three years. And it was really when I was in Tokyo that I discovered I had this really great ability to mimic, uh, other accents, other voices. I got uh, seriously into uh, a theater group there that was made up of a group of expatriate American and British people. A lot of them were in advertising. Um, did a couple of plays, got cast in a couple of plays, and began getting offers for voiceover work to do commercials in Japan. Uh, and they use a lot of English language 
research and do a lot of television and radio commercials. And so I started to do that, and I went, this is really fun. I really love this. And uh, so when I was done with my assignment in Japan, I came back to the United States, moved to Los Angeles, and I, I took a leave of absence from IBM, and I never went back. So it was one of those things where it was the instant love and the instant, uh, I guess, uh, gratification of just really knowing that, hey, you know, I got a knack for this. It's fun. And of course, you know, playing other characters and being able to uh, make things up had to be a little more fun than, uh, you know, working on circuit boards and the back door of computers. Right. Although, I, you know, I never was really a technical, technical guy. What, what I was able to do was to explain technical things in plain English. Um, and so that was really fun. Uh, you know, I wasn't really into the, the, the nuts and bolts as much as I was getting people to, to think differently about what, uh, what they were doing. Um, so, yeah, it was, I, I loved that job. It was a lot of fun. Uh, I had great opportunities there and then, <clears throat> and I still get friends with, uh, with my, uh, my mentor in that company. We're still, still best friends, even though I left in 1990 and, and started a new career. Well, I mean, I guess leading down that career, too, like you said, they're using a lot of uh, American and, you know, those kind of voices in Japan. That's something that catches me completely off guard. I mean, I know that there is a lot of, uh, you know, a lot of crossover and whatnot in other countries. But uh, I guess that's uh, that's a different kind of story that I didn't expect as to uh, how you came about doing it. Right, right. It It was a very sort of. I don't know. I guess when you know when you think about it, it sounds sort of random and roundabout. But uh, I, I think you know if you're if you're uh, for my part looking for what makes you happy, you know, doing work that makes you happy, and for a long time that teaching made me happy. And then I just I love being in front of a group. Uh, kind of figured out that you know I, I should be doing theater. I should be doing voiceover work. I should be you know looking for. Uh, for an acting career, and so when I came back to the United States, I jumped right into everything. Um, I started pursuing uh, theater work. I joined a, a little co-op theater here in Los Angeles. It's called Theater 6470, and uh, and got together with a group of friends, old friends from high school, a couple of old friends from high school, and uh, some new people that I had met here, and we put together a showcase. I think I'd been here about seven or eight months. Uh, and we, we put together a show industry showcase, which is pretty common. Actors will get together and um, put a group of scenes together and invite people in the industry, casting directors and directors and influential people to sort of show your work. And at the time, I was working with uh, Ivana Chubbuck, uh, the, the acting teacher Ivana Chubbuck, and we all came out of her, everybody that was in this little group of people that did the showcase came from her classes, did this little thing at a 99-seat theater, it was just eight actors, four scenes, and I had the last scene with a, a good friend of mine, very funny thing, from a show called Beyond Therapy, which I had actually acted in, in Tokyo. And after the thing was over, I was standing out on the sidewalk, and a man walked up to me and said, you're very funny. I have a part for you in my next film. The car pulled up at the curb and he got in it and he said, call Adrian. She'll tell you, your friend Adrian. She'll tell you where I am. Come see me tomorrow at 11. And he disappeared and I thought, what a crazy man. 
<laughs> and so somebody walked up and he said, did you know who that is? I said, no, I don't. And he turned out to be a, a maker of, uh, he used to make two or three films a year. This little B movies, very funny. Uh, he'd get a bunch of actors together, uh, old television stars and film stars. And he was sort of known for peppering his movies with uh, people from classic TV series and stuff. And uh, he was he was serious. I went and interviewed with him. He signed me up for my SAG card and gave me my my break. Uh, and and that was it. I was off and running. It's crazy. Wow. I mean, you know, it's the kind of thing, like you said, where this story is uh, definitely unique that uh, we didn't expect. You know, you're from Japan to, you know, mysterious cars in the night. I mean, it, it definitely makes for uh, a movie in itself, The you know, the life and times of a voice actor, you know? That was wild. <laughs> well, I guess, you know, moving forward and, and coming into voice acting then and doing all that kind of fun stuff. I mean, you've done a variety of different things for, you know, ABC with doing work with Home Improvement and, you know, as early on as Married with Children and I guess all the Disney fans, of course, uh, you know, that stuff rings true. Anything on ABC, I guess, how, how did that come about with, you know, such a great, uh, I guess, stint, uh, you know, with ABC, with uh, such big, you know, shows at the time? Yeah, that was that was really incredible. I, I to this day, I'm, I'm still amazed. Uh, you know, people say, how did, how did you do that? How did you? I said, I, I, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. Um I, I had a couple of people that were really influential in, in, uh, in helping me out. Um, my very first voiceover job was, uh, was on Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, uh, the TV series. Um, it's now being done again, I believe, uh, by a different company. Um, but a woman named Sue Blue, who directed that series and is still directing a lot of the animation, which is working on Ben 10 right now. Uh, and something else. Um, I had gone to her for private coaching. I'd never done a voiceover. And uh, I was uh, auditioning for uh, Animaniacs when they were uh, casting for Animaniacs. And, and I didn't have a voiceover agent, but I really wanted to audition for this show. I'd heard about it. Went to her for some private coaching. We were working out in a studio, a very famous studio at Burbank called The Voice Caster. A man named Bob Lloyd ran it. And, uh, working with her, doing some private coaching, and Bob came in, wandered in, and, and heard me working, and said something to her outside the booth. I couldn't hear what it was. I came out, and she said, hey, Bob, why don't you come down and audition for a Keebler commercial? He's looking for elves. I went, oh, that, that's cool. So I went downstairs, announced myself to, uh, some of the people that were working there who had no idea that, that the owner of the place had said, yeah, give Kevin an audition. Once they sorted out the confusion, I got an audition time, went in and read for it against 30 other people, and I booked it. So, and it was just an elf voice. You know, it's keyboard. We're going to do some cookies. They're delicious. And uh, so that was my first voiceover. Very first voiceover job was for that commercial. And then, uh, and then Susan cast me in Ninja Turtles as a guest villain. Uh, and then I continued to recur on that, on that show for a while. So, uh, that led to my first voiceover agent. After about a year or so, I moved over to, uh, a different agency, ICM. And, uh, I was just given unbelievable opportunities there. And in the early 90s, 92, 93, uh, the voiceover business was very, very different. There were 
so many opportunities for us, so many, so many scripts, so many shows running. And, uh, you could book half of what you read for easily. You'd read 10, I would read 10 scripts and, and book five of the jobs. And it was, it was just unbelievable. The work just, just flowed back then. Very different now with the internet and people able to audition, <coughs> excuse me, remotely. And uh, a lot of, there's some websites out there now where that people can bid on jobs, people who aren't necessarily, you know, union actors. So it's the, the landscape has changed dramatically. But, but back then, once you were in place, the, the work just continued to flow to you. So I was sent out one day uh, to go to ABC television, uh, to the network. And I, I really didn't have any idea what, what I was going over there for. Uh, my agent said, look, you're going to go over, you're going to audition to, to read some promos. I thought, great, I've never done that before. He said, well, you know, don't tell them you've never done it before, because I told them you know how to do it. I said, <laughs> okay, great. So, another amazing story. I walk into this room, very intimidating, and it's, and it's a control room, it's an editing room, and there were three or four people in there sitting at about, you know, this 20-foot-long console. It looks 20 feet long to me, anyway. And there was a chair and a little tiny monitor, a little nine-inch monitor in front of the chair and a microphone. And not a lot of chit-chat. I walked in, introduced myself, grumble, grumble, everybody's doing their business, you know, because it's it's ABC. It's a, it's a TV network. There's all these people working and people coming and going, very busy. And, uh, hi, nice to meet you. Sit down. Here's your script. Okay, here's the spot. And we're going to count you in. And one, two. I'm thinking, oh, just go with it, man. <laughs> <laughs> and here's where my improv background really helped. And my, you know, think on your feet and act as if you belong here. And I just did it. And it was a spot for Roseanne, the show Roseanne, comedy show. And so I read it. You know, it's like coming up next on Roseanne. And then pause and wait and... And you're reading to picture, which I'd never done in my life. And I'm thinking, gosh, this script. Okay, we go in here, and I speak here, and I speak here. That's it. One take. Okay, the director's sitting there, and he says, that's your comedy read? I said, yeah. Yeah, that's my comedy read. Thank you. Is it? <laughs> <laughs> no clue. He goes, pretty good. He goes, let's, take, let's get another take. See if you can change it up a little bit. I said, okay. So I did it. He goes, great. Sign your paperwork and get out. Just like that. I went, excuse me? You paid for this. I went, oh, okay, paid audition. That's cool. Went back. Agent asked, how'd it go? I said, I think it went pretty good. They paid me. He goes, okay. They did? I said, yeah. Okay. Handed in my contract. Went home. Next day, he called. He said, ABC wants you back for more Roseanne. I said, okay. And they continued to call every day for the next three years. And I wound up doing, gosh, every single, I became the comedy voice of, of ABC, which back then there were like six guys, uh, okay, maybe eight guys. There was a comedy guy and a drama guy for the, uh, the three major networks plus Fox. And there still kind of are, although it's not the way it used to be. And uh, if you were the comedy guy, you voiced all the comedy shows. And ABC... Uh, decided that they liked me, uh, liked my reads and decided to put me on all of the, uh, all of the children's programming as well. So, uh, I wound up doing one Saturday morning, all those great cartoons that were on 
cartoon programming on Saturdays. So I wound up being the promo guy for that. Promo guy for all of their comedy shows. Promo guy for all their, for their late night shows. If it was funny, I was on it. Where it was for kids, I was on it. And, uh, it was pretty hectic. And then I continued to do animation. Um, I had been cast to replace Nathan Lane on The Lion King TV series. That was a busy schedule. And then I was also doing other shows as well. And then I was cast on Married with Children and did 41 episodes of that show. So I wasn't home very much <laughs> during, the, <laughs> during the mid-90s. I was going to say, it sounds like you're, you know, you're one of those busy guys, too, where you know, there is no rest. If you got the voice and you got the talent, everyone's going to want you, and you're always going to be on the go. And like you said, everything from voiceover work uh, you know, for the promos, which you know, a lot of kids growing up, that's a voice that they come to know. And then also, you know, uh, replacing Nathan Lane was a big one because Lion King was kind of that end of that golden age of the rebirth of Disney animation. And with the TV series, uh, that continued to go on very, very well. Uh, I guess, uh, how was it, uh, you know, replacing such an iconic role as Timon on that series? And then also, you know, being Timon on House of Mouse and a variety of other things as well. It was it was really, really fun. Uh, that That was another... I think my entire career to me just seems sort of miraculous. I mean, I'm just incredibly grateful that I get to do this work at all. Um, you know, I, I, I say, well, I, I sort of lucked into it. It's, it's not true. Of course, I worked very, very, very hard, uh, as, as we all do. But, but still, you know, I, I work with a lot of people who have uh, incredible amounts of training, uh, spent years and years working their way up and, and you know, I show up, and within a year and a half, I'm doing everything. So uh, I was very, very fortunate. Um, Nathan, <laughs> working uh, as, as Nathan's voice double was incredibly lucrative because Nathan is is unbelievably talented, very, very funny guy. Um, love his voice, and that's his natural voice. He's not pushing <laughs> much. He's really not changing. If you meet him in person, which I, I finally got to meet him in person, uh, that's the way he talks, and and he's he's all over the place. He's got highs and lows, and, and a little growl, and ooh, you know, he is come on. And uh, and so I studied as much Nathan Lane as I could, trying to get the mannerisms, trying to get the. And at the time, there wasn't a lot of Nathan to see. He was doing a lot of uh, theater, uh, and you, you, you know, he wasn't doing a lot of film work in person. And he still, he's become one of the hottest stars on Broadway. I mean, that's why he, he took off and, and he would start these shows and then he would leave after a few episodes, TV shows, because he was too busy doing other stuff. And so whenever I heard Nathan Lane was being cast in a new TV series or a movie, I'd go, yes, I have more work coming because I, would, I knew he wouldn't be able to open it because he's so busy. And it was true. It just kept happening. Uh, so, uh, and, and it, Ernie, Ernie Sabello is, is also just a fantastic guy, but I, I met him once and we never worked together. So, for the entire run of the show, Ernie would record his part separately without me there, and I would record my part. Usually worked alone in the studio. And then they would edit the dialogue together so that it, it sounded as though we were interacting. Wow. Which was pretty fun, pretty what, right? And if you watch the show, it looks like we're we're just bantering back and forth. 
Right. You know, and that that's the kind of thing too, where if it's done right and it sounds so natural, it is that, that constant banter back and forth where you would have thought that you guys are at least are in the studio at the same time or uh, something to play off each other. Right. Never. Uh, but, but we met one time. That was the, the story of how I got to know. I, I went in, it was, you know, there was, it was very, very competitive, of course. And when I saw the movie, The Lion King, I was sitting in the theater with my wife and my infant son in his little carry-on, you know, carry-all baskets. And he's just sort of nestled into the seat. He's just been born. And, uh, and it's quiet in the theater. I'm watching it. And Tamar and Pumba popped up on the screen, and I, I looked at my wife and I said, I could do that voice. That's fun. <laughs> Who is that guy? Never heard that before. And I'm trying, trying it on a little bit in the theater, and people are glaring at me. I'm like, sorry, sorry. It's, it's a habit that voice actors have. We hear something interesting and we try to see if we can do that. You know? So, when the casting call came, I went, yes, I can do that. I know I can do it. Um, and for my, my audition, what I learned all the songs from The Lion King. And they had, I went into Disney character voices to, to audition for them and they had some stuff they wanted me to do and I said, I will do that. I said, but if you wouldn't mind, I would just like to sing acapella, some of these songs from the movie, just to warm up. And they went, sure, okay. So I did it. So they just rolled, rolled tape, and I did it. And and uh, the director said, oh, can you hold on for a sec? I said, sure. He gets on the phone, and he said, just take a break. I said, okay. Four more people come in to listen. And he plays the tape for them, and he said, could you do that again? I said, sure. Okay, so would you do some of the dialogue? I said, sure. And I walked out, and people got up and took my hand and said, that's that's perfect. I said, oh, okay, thanks. Well, I you know, really love this character, and thanks for letting me audition, and, and I walked out. Well, there was one other guy there, I'd never met before. He was waiting to audition. His name was Quentin Flynn. And I shook his hand and wished him good luck. And it came down to me and Quentin Flynn, and Quentin was chosen to replace Nathan Lane. Um, amazingly, we went, really? Huh, that's interesting, because we really thought we had a lock on it. Oh, well, sometimes you win, sometimes you lose. So Nathan had done about 10 episodes. Quentin came in and did a few episodes. And Disney was wrapping up season one, uh, and some of the shows were syndicated, some of the shows were on CBS at the time, this was before ABC had bought, purchased Disney. And um, it came time to sing the title song, and something happened, don't know what it was, uh, in the studio, but Disney was not terribly happy with, with the result they were getting on, on the title song, which was... Hakuna, or a little reworking of Hakuna Matata from, from the movie. So they called and asked if I would be willing to come in and, and sing the title song. Sure, of course. So I went in, uh, I met Ernie, Ernie Sabella, that was the one time I met him, and then we hung out and chatted, and, and we sang the title, did the title song again, we weren't in the studio at the same time, I sang my part, he sang his part, <laughs> We worked out harmonies. I would go in, he would leave, he would go back in and do some more harmonies. Um, and did a little bit of dialogue stuff, just a tiny little bit, kind of goofing around. 
we said, uh, we'd like you to come in and, re- and replace me. I said, okay. So I wound up doing about a hundred, it was 140 episodes. Uh, there were two, two shows per episode, I guess, or two episodes per show, however they worked it, but a little 12 minutes, uh, shows. So. Well, I mean, and that's the kind of thing, too, that you said, it, you know, it went on. It was kind of one of those, uh, the fates aligned and, uh, you know, loving those songs and that character is uh, what really nailed it for you, too. You know, that uh, now, I mean, it's so seamless that, you know, most people, you know, they just, isn't that just Nathan? Isn't that just Nathan? Which, you know, some people might look at that as, oh, well, now no one knows it's me. But as a voice actor, it has to be fulfilling knowing that you're doing exactly what you want to have it be seamless. That's right. That's that's what they're after when they look for a voice match is, you know, can you sound, you know, as close to the original as possible. And, and over time, you know, I, I can tell the difference. It's easy for me to tell, you know, when it's Nathan, when it's not, or when it's Nathan and when it's me. Usually I can tell. There's a few times I go and I look at these episodes online and I go, oh, what season was that? Oh, yeah, that's me. <laughs> no, that's Nathan. Now I gotta look. Um, so, uh, yeah, I actually had to do some research to, to remember exactly when it was that I started. And it was the first episode was Yukon Con um, from uh, season one. So, uh, yeah, working with some, some other wonderful people, it, it, was, it was great. We had the most amazing uh, guest stars and uh, you know, getting to work with Jim Cummings and Corey Burton and um, Brian Cummings. Uh, Charlie Adler would come in, fantastic, wild, crazy guy. Uh, and, and that was delightful for me because I was usually by myself in the studio and sometimes we would do four, four shows at once. And so it was just me running through these lines and uh, whichever director happened to be there at the time, there were several different directors and several sets of producers for the, the various seasons. And Timon's characteristics kept changing her Disney specifications, and uh, the, the, the concept of what Timon was supposed to be and what, what Timon and Pumbaa were for Disney kept uh, evolving, and so Timon sort of went from being who he is in The Lion King, the sarcastic, wisecracking, sort of devious, kind of out for himself, but, you know, ultimately finds courage and, uh, and transforms kind of character. Uh, but he stayed kind of, kind of nasty, you know, a little bit nasty under the surface, but not a bad guy, but kind of selfish. And Pumbo was the conscience. Pumbo was always the sweet, loving, compassionate guy who was kind of stinky. So it was a great interplay between the two of them. And then Timon continued to evolve to a sweeter, kinder guy, which wasn't as much fun, but it was still fun. <laughs> But a lot of the tension between the two characters sort of dropped off. Well, you know, and working with a lot of great actors and voice actors, like you said, you know, many of which have been guests on our show here. I mean, great, great list of people here. You know, and I guess, uh, you know, aside from Timon, you know, being able to just create something new, something fun. Um, you were also a part of, you know, Teacher's Pet, which was always just a, a really fun, fun role as well. Uh, I guess, uh, how was it being part of that, that, you know, people still watching reruns now and people still bring up Teacher's Pet, that it had its own cult following? Yeah, I, I was delighted to work on Teacher's Pet. Um, Gary Baseman, the artist Gary Baseman, uh, created that show. Uh, for Disney, and he had always been, I've always been a fan of Gary's uh, cartoon work and artwork, uh, 
so I was sort of blown away. I was a huge fan of Gary Paceman's. And when I heard that he was creating this show for Disney, and then Nathan got cast in the lead, I was like, thank you. <laughs> let's hope, let's hope he gets tired. And he did. And, uh, I think the best day ever on that show was, was, uh, going over to, uh, Jim Henson Studios. It used to be A&M Records and recording a bunch of songs with Gary there. And, uh, getting to chat with him and talk about, you know, his art and, and, uh, you know, how he conceived the characters and, I mean, it was really, really different. He's, I don't know if you saw the, the movie, the Teacher's Pet movie, which I did not work on. Nathan came back and did the movie after the series was going and he had left the series. I was doing the series, but Nathan came back for the film, <laughs> uh, which is sort of how that goes. And, uh, it, the, the, the movie was unbelievable. I mean, just the animation style and Gary's just, Gary's a genius. Really, really strange outer space kind of mind. Um, uh, that was that was a lot of fun. I, really wonderful work in there. Definitely. I mean, and it's a different art style, which is what I think. You know, having his style and his art and his animation, it, it is something that was new and fresh and different for Disney to almost rival that uh, that cutting edge Nick style at the time. Yeah, it really was. It was it, again. You know, Disney was was evolving and changing and. Uh, you know, Timon and Pumbaa was, was, I think, one of the, one of the sort of last of the real, not even the last, but, I don't know. There were, there were a lot of, they did a lot of TV series based on, on films. Of course, they're animated films. Uh, but, but Timon and Pumbaa really had that sort of classic, you know, cartoony vibe to it. Um, you know, a lot of, you know, a lot of kids who grew up with it, you know, I'll meet them. You know, uh, they have no idea what I do for a living. Friends, uh, some young friends who, you know, used to watch these shows and they find out who, who I was and what I did. They're like, oh, oh my God, I, I, I love that show. <laughs> uh, you know, it's kind of like meeting guys. I'm working with, I actually get to work with guys who voiced uh, cartoons that I grew up with. They're still in the business. They're still working, which is one of the, the best things about being a voice actor is you, you don't have to quit. Uh, there's there's no age barrier there. You know, as, as long as you've still got any, we just get, hopefully you get better and not worse at it. Definitely. Uh, well, you know, I guess I guess with voice acting too, and you said uh, you know not not having to quit or anything else. I guess uh, you know what are you doing now? I guess uh, you know what are you doing uh, with your free time, or do you have anything upcoming, or are you just relaxing? I guess uh, how do you spend your time now? As uh, you know, many people are still passing uh, your, all your gems still onto their children. <laughs> I am still working as a voice actor, still doing voiceover work. Um, I. Uh the projects I've been doing recently, I, uh, I'm, let's see, currently running, I'm voice of, uh, of Philadelphia cream cheese. So, uh, if, you're, if you're watching TV and somebody comes on to tell you the story behind the silver, that's me, uh, for, uh, for their television spots. Um, also doing, uh, some work for Ford, uh, uh, talking about their new hybrid vehicles that get unbelievable gas mileage. Kind of kind of amazing new technology stuff. That's fun. Uh that campaign begins this week, I believe. Um doing stuff for Discover Card. I've been still working with Sue Blue, uh my uh my early champion, who really, really gave me my 
my gosh, uh, Stuart Little. I did the Stuart Little uh, television series. I was in Stuart Little 3. Once again, thank you, Nathan. Snowball the Cat. I'm familiar with Snowball. <laughs> Snowball the Cat. Talk to the butts. You know, my pet mouse. I'm a pet cat. A mouse with a pet cat. Disgusting. Uh, what else? The Tick. Uh, wonderful TV series. Wonderful, wonderful cartoon. Uh, just completely crazy. Twisted thing based on a comic book. Um, Felix the Cat. Uh, Johnny Quest. There were, gosh, The Incredible Hulk. Um, yeah, I, I, I either played uh, funny, wacky cartoon characters or, or, uh, wise old mentors or bad guys. That is what <laughs> I did. So, uh, I was Ursac the Guardian on Skeleton Warriors. I was Thrakath the Evil Alien Overlord on Wing Commander Academy, which was almost, uh, just, just wild. I was probably the only person on that show uh, besides Pat Fraley, who, who was not a major movie star. And that was kind of crazy. So you're working with, you know, Mark Hamill and, uh, you know, Elliot Gould and, and Malcolm McDowell and uh, unbelievable people. And that was one show where we sat together, you know, in a big semicircle and, and, and just sort of riffed off of each other. Um, and that was an unbelievable opportunity. Really, really fun. And, to get cast in something like that required going against uh, stereotypes. So, you know, the evil alien overlord, usually you would go in and do some evil voice. I will destroy you. You know, some huge thing. And I went in and thought, nah, what if, what if he just was kind of quiet and didn't really shout, didn't make much of a fuss? And, you know, would sort of call his underlings to him and say, why didn't you tell me about that? And then destroy them completely. And it worked. And I guess so I was cast as, as this guy who didn't sound a whole lot different from me talking quietly. And his appearance was horrifying. <laughs> he was sort of half, half lion, half man, half Lord knows what. And, uh, and it just fit. It just worked with the style of this, this show. Uh, and that was one of the first uh, cartoons that was based on uh, a video game. Apparently, Wing Commander had been this, this great video game, and they just ported it over to a TV show. And uh, that was pretty fun. So you're just constantly working, constantly busy, which is always a good thing. And I guess, uh, you know, we don't want to keep you too long. We know, uh, you know, everyone's always busy working people here. Um, but uh, I guess for anyone that, uh, as you said, the industry continues to change. And not that you want to give away too many secrets, but do you have any words of advice for any up-and-coming voice actors out there, or people that really love this industry wholeheartedly, uh, you know, as they try to fulfill their own dreams? Sure. Um, well, I would say that, that acting experience is is really, really vital, really important. Um, it's it's uh, not just about the voice or the ability to do voices uh, that, that will get you the job. It's it's how good is your acting. Um, so uh, for somebody who, who would like to do this, uh, you know, they should be uh, uh, working on their on their craft. Uh, certainly, improv an improv background is is vital. Um, learning to work with other actors and learning to work with directors and other creative people. It's not just 
come in and, and you know, bring your, your best self to the session. Uh, be ready to work and be ready to change and be able to take direction and, and know what, see if you can sort of understand what they're talking about, which is not always easy. You know, there are some directors who are brilliant at, at, at bringing out the nuances of the character and, and helping you develop it, and there are there are some who are just sort of not as great at that or are not as able to communicate. Um, so, the more training you have, the more the more uh, experience. Join a workout group. There are voiceover workout groups in, in, in most cities, and there are a lot of. Uh, Coaches and uh, uh, touring people who tour around the country and hold workshops that you can uh, get involved in. Certainly, you know, voiceover fans are, are loyal and amazing, and uh, people who want to get into this industry really do seem to, to be willing to put in the work, and that that's really what it takes. And and just be confident. You know, don't be afraid to put yourself out there. I was, as I said, incredibly fortunate to get to do what I do, but I also just threw myself at it. Just, I'm throwing myself at you. I'm going to annoy you forever. Until you see me, I'm going to annoy you. In fact, I got my top agent because I walked into ICM one day and sat down across the desk from, from Jeff Danis, who, who sort of created the, the scale voiceover business for those of us who aren't stars who work for a, a union rate. And, uh, and that's it. You're not famous. You just go to work. And I walked into his office one day and sat down and said, if you don't represent me, I'm going to quit the business. And he looked at me and he said, and why do I care? <laughs> You're nobody. And I was. I was nobody. And uh, and I told him he was missing the greatest opportunity of his life if he didn't bring me in. And, and he he took the bait. And uh, and, I, and I just went to work. Uh, and and he, he was another one that was instrumental in making me uh, very, very successful. So it's, it's not just all about you. It's, there's other people involved as well. And if you can stay focused and grateful and, and know that you're part of a team, I think that really, really makes a, a huge difference. Most definitely. I mean, I think that's good advice to anybody out there who's trying to, you know, break into the business and whatnot. And, uh, you know, I'd like to thank you once again for stopping in and, you know, sharing your stories with us and uh, this uh, twist and turns that are unexpected into how you ended up where you were. And, uh, you know, I'm sure, like you said, you're always working, so it's not the last we're going to hear of you. And uh, thank you once again for stopping in. Oh, it's my pleasure. Thank you so much, Tom. I've had enough of your shenanigans, Humphrey. Follow me. First you stick a rag, put it in the bag, bump, bump. Then you bend your back, put it in the sack, bump, bump. That's the way you start, it's a lot of fun, bump, bump. Cutting cake is putting papers in the bags.
rag, put it in the bag, bump, bump. Then you bend your back, put it in the sack, bump, bump. That's the way you start, it's a lot of fun, bump, bump. Cut and cake is put and cake is in the bag. <laughs> I'm at the entrance to Kilimanjaro Safaris here in the village of Harambe on the east coast of Africa. At least I think it's Africa. It sure looks like Africa. Hey, how they pull this off? The Disney Imagineers who created this place started off by really doing their homework. They went to Africa. Translating those memories into designs for the village and the Kilimanjaro Safaris took place at Walt Disney Imagineering in California. Artists created sketches and designs, models were created, and then architects and engineers got to work to bring these ideas to life. Turning 100 acres of central Florida flatland into Africa's rugged bush country took a million and a half cubic yards of earth. Hundreds of tree and plant species were planted to recreate the look of East African savannas and forests. And then it was time to bring on the new residents and open Kilimanjaro safaris to the public. The excitement is building here at Kilimanjaro Safaris. We're going on a safari with James Seymour, James Keach and their family, and we'll see animals like you've never seen it before. Singing show tunes, wearing funny hats. No, wait, that was a dream I had last night. Sorry. These animals are living in their natural habitat right here at Disney's Animal Kingdom. Oh, my siestas are getting shorter and shorter. Identification. EC82. Confirm. Hey gang, welcome to the spring edition here of The Vault on Disney On Demand. I've been doing a lot of spring cleaning here due to the beautiful weather there is. And what a better way than to enjoy the time that you're not cleaning by watching a wonderful Disney film. There are plenty of films going on. Oh, wait a minute. I just got word. What's this? Kevin Schoen? He's upstairs. The other Timon? Really? Okay, scrap all that. Put everything away. Guys, we are in for a treat. That's right, Kevin Schoen, right upstairs in the Disney On Demand studios. Well, that just changes everything. It's time to know the other side of the story. That's right, I'm going deep into the vault. Well, not so deep. More like 2004 deep. And bringing out the third and final installment of The Lion King. Because Kevin Schoen, he's in there too. That's right. We're doing Lion King one and a half. One and a half? I thought you said three. Anyway, Lion King one and a half. You don't know half the story until we get done with today. As I said earlier, this is a 2004 release of what's penned as the third installment in the Lion King trilogy. Of course, the original cannot be topped. The second, Simba's Pride, very good story of telling the kind of the evil side or more of the Romeo and Juliet versus the Hamlet version that sometimes the Lion King has been compared to. And now we have one and a half. Why one and a half? Well, it's the other side of the Lion King. It's kind of like pulling back the covers and seeing what happened before Timon and Pumbaa met Simba, Nala, and the rest of the gang. It's a great fun way to kind of retell the story of the Lion King in a very humorous setting. Let's go back and learn a little bit about what happened before Simba became the Lion King. Well, you can't do that without the best sidekicks ever, Timon and Pumbaa. Let's tell their story, and that's where Lion King one and a half comes in. The beginning of the story tells the backstory of Timon and Pumbaa through Timon and Pumbaa's eyes. It all begins with the story of Pumbaa. 
We learn, of course, as we have learned in the fine song Akuna Matata, he was an outcast from the Pride Lands. We also learn that Timon had a family of his own. Timon, living with his mother, Ma, and his uncle Max, along with the rest of the colony. Timon wished for a better life and decides to leave the colony. However, on his way out of the colony, he's nearly eaten by our hyena friends, Shenzi, Banzai, and Ed. You know, the ones from The Lion King. Escaping their jaws of doom, he meets Rafiki. Yes, that Rafiki. The one in the tree, the monkey, played by Robert Guillaume, same monkey. He advises him to take on a new world look and adopts the two word Hakuna Matata. Not so reluctantly, Timon agrees and goes on. He continues his journey through the long grass and stumbles upon Pride Rock. And there, he meets Pumbaa for the very first time and instantly become friends. Now, they arrive at Pride Rock at a very particular time. It's the time in which Simba is presented to the Pride Land animals. In other words, the very beginning of the first Lion King. Now, what we saw in the Lion King is as Simba is hoisted into the air and presented to everyone, all of the animals have bowed. However, the true story, as we're told now, is that Pumbaa had a little bit of his odiferous problem, let out a little toot, and caused every animal to kneel, so to speak. Mufasa seems a little puzzled, but thanks, thankfully for Zazu, he lets them know that they're just bowing in praise of Simba. We now know the true story. Feeling that Pride Rock isn't exactly where they need to be, they move forward to look for another place to live. As their journey continues, we are met with yet another familiar scene from the original Lion King, the wildebeest scene. This is the same scene we know where we lose Mufasa, but we learn that Timon and Pumbaa were able to survive that in order to get past where they needed to go to go to their new home in the lush jungle where they live the life of Hakuna Matata. Finding their home, they rest, relax, and who happens to stumble in but a young Simba, still living in that Hakuna Matata state. The two agree to take Simba on, and as we know, he grows up to be the Great Lion King. Again, this is only half the story. We still have more to go. Simba grows up and becomes a great young man. But what we don't realize is how Simba and Nala really did get back together. Nala, as we know, went out looking for Simba. But the way that they met was not through coincidence, but her chasing Pumbaa instead. And of course, as we know, Timon and Pumbaa try to prevent the two to get together. Their plan, of course, fails. Since we're looking at the opposite side of what was going on, learning the true story, we've come to the portion of the movie in which Simba is told by Nala that he must return home, and he doesn't agree with it. But of course, since this is more of a humorous tone to everything, we're looking at what Timon actually saw. It was just an argument, and they'll, they'll laugh it off. It's no big deal. So Nala comes up to Timon and Pumbaa and asks where Simba really went. Nala goes after Simba. And then it's Pumbaa who argues with Timon, as they always do. But it's Timon who feels very jealous and angry with Simba because he left them. Because as you know, Simba, Timon, and Pumbaa were to live in the jungle forever, full of Hakuna Matata and no worries. 
Pumba somewhat agrees with that, but he decides to leave to look for Simba along with Nala, leaving Timon alone. It is then that Benson, I mean Rafiki, appears back to Timon and tells him not to forget Hakuna Matata, and that his home is not necessarily within the jungle, but it's his friends that are his true home, making Timon go after his friends. Finally making it to Pride Rock, Timon and Pumbaa get past the hyenas, but run into Ma and Uncle Max, Timon's family. You remember, they're from the beginning of the film. With his new sense of pride, Timon truly wants to help Simba, and in doing so, with his friends and family together, decide the best way to evade these hyenas is to get the tunnels going through the help of Ma and Uncle Max. While we, of course, know the big fight with the fire and the, the smoke and everything going on between Simba and Scar, it's now Ma and Uncle Max who are construct constructing all of these tunnels underneath Pride Rock. Timon and Pumbaa, as we know, use their powers of persuasion to distract the hyenas as the work is going on. No wonder the hula skirt act actually worked. Knowing that their work is nearly done, they gather together and knock down all of the scaffolding that's been holding the entire tunnel system together. Unfortunately, the last few do not fall, and now our friends are cornered by the hyenas. Timon thinks quick on his feet, which is normally not something he does, dives underground and saves his family in Pride Rock by removing each and every last stick holding the tunnels together. Then, of course, the story continues as we know it. Afterwards, Scar is thrown off Pride Rock, Simba becomes the new king, the hyenas take Scar, he becomes hyena stakes, you know, the traditional story. But the part we don't see is now Simba thanking Timon and Pumbaa for his help. The other part we didn't see as well is that Timon now has a new place to take his family. Ma, Uncle Max, and the rest of the colony of meerkats have a brand new jungle home to live within. Timon's new family, Ma, Uncle Max, the meerkats, and Pumbaa, all praise Timon's heroism for finding them a safe place, removing them from the hyenas, and of course bringing Simba back to being the Lion King. Well, as I've stated before, this was a 2004 release, direct to DVD. We featured a few of these on the vault, and I've actually liked coming back to this one. Lion King 1.5, or Lion King 3, as some countries call it, and surprisingly, it is subtitled Hakuna Matata, is actually a great way to round out the Lion King trilogy. It was first released in February 2004. Once it was released, it was then put into the vault and then re-released most recently in back in 2011 in the original Lion King box set for when it was released in Blu-ray. And then it was again released in individual sales back in 2012, about March timeframe, so that you could buy it separately if you did not want to spend a lot of money in buying the trilogy. My suggestion though, being the archivist that I am for the Disney Vault here, get your copy soon if you haven't purchased it already. This film, along with Lion King and Lion King 2, Simba's Pride, is due to go back into the vault in 2013, in April. And we're, ending, we're getting close to the end of April here, so be prepared as Scar would say. 
Now, what makes Lion King 1 and a half so unique? Well, the great thing about it is that in this trilogy, and especially in this film, the original voice cast comes back for it all. Robert Guillaume? Check. Jim Cummings? Check. Whoopi Goldberg, Matthew Broderick, Nathan Lane? Check, check, check. All of them are here. Plus, additional voices done by our new D-head, Kevin Schoen. The other great thing about it? Brand new songs by Elton John and Tim Rice. How could you not enjoy this? It's like having the Lion King all over again. Well, actually, if you think about it, it really is. So other than this wonderful story, which, like I said earlier, you've got a Hamlet version, which was pretty much the Lion King. You have Romeo and Juliet, which was pretty much Lion King 2, Simba's Pride. What would a Shakespearean nod to Lion King 1 and a half be? Well, I'm going to suggest Rosencrantz and Guildenstern are dead, but that's just my opinion. Watch it for yourself and see. What special features will you be receiving if you were to purchase this DVD or Blu-ray today, tomorrow, or at least by the 30th of April? Well, you get Timon and Pumbaa's Vacation Safari. It's a five-minute short featuring Timon and Pumbaa chatting with about real animals within the safari. About 12 minutes of deleted scenes. These include two concepts for an opening and about five other unused scenes. A cute little four-minute segment called Timon Behind the Legend. It kind of is a riff on behind the scenes, um, VH1 Where Are They Now kind of thing, hosted by Peter Graves. Before the beginning, it's a 15-minute behind-the-scenes look on the making of The Lion King 1 and a half. Music video of Grazing in the Grass, a brand new song that's performed by Raven, or Raven Simone, or however you'd like to have this great Disney star honored. A four-minute segment on discovering Blu-ray with Timon and Pumbaa, and the joys of Blu-ray in 3D. Now, this DVD is not in 3D, but you'll understand when you watch this segment how fun it can be. And of course, as always, sneak peeks and trailers for other upcoming Disney Blu-ray and DVD releases. Well, you love Lion King 1.5? I think you'll enjoy the beauty that it brings. It is still in that beautiful tone that the original Lion King has. Are you ready for a good laugh? Timon and Pumbaa bring it on as they did in the original and can support themselves in their own film. Of course they can support themselves in their own film. They did have their own cartoon series at one point in time. And again, Kevin, great job on your voice work on that. So, my suggestion for The Vault, as always, go out. Find your own means to watch Lion King 1.5. Again, if you're looking to purchase it, you have until April 30th before we lock it back up here in The Vault and wait a few more years till we re-release it. However... I'm sure you'll be able to find it on any streaming means necessary so that you can watch this beautiful film with your family. Well, the popcorn's empty and the curtain's coming down, so it can only mean one thing. It's time to say goodbye to you and all my company. It's time for me to place this fine film back in the vault and get ready for another beautiful DVD or Blu-ray coming to you next week. So until then, why don't you pop yourself some popcorn, enjoy a little Hakuna Matata of your own, and celebrate with Timon and Pumbaa as you learn the other half of the story with Lion King One and a Half. I know I enjoyed re-watching it, and quite frankly, I'll enjoy re-watching it again 
probably in the next few minutes. So until then, gang, we'll see you next week. And remember, the magic of Disney movies is always inside of you. I gotta tell you, Timon, that song always gets me right here. Yeah, Pumba. Well, enough of that. Uh, Timon, what are you doing? I'm fast-forwarding to the part where we come in. But you can't go out of order. Au contraire, my porcine pal. I've got the remote. But everyone's gonna get confused. We gotta go back to the beginning of the story. We're not in the beginning of the story. Yes, we were the whole time. Yeah, but they don't know that. Then why don't we tell them our story? Ah! Hey, I've got an idea. Why don't we tell them our story? Oh, I like the sound of that. A little backstage tour. Take them behind the scenes for a revealing and intimate look at the story within the story. Because what they don't know is how we really were there, even though they didn't know we were there, you know? Couldn't have said it better myself. So, does this mean we're going back to the beginning? Oh, no, Pumba. No. We're going way back to before the beginning. Wait, 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 wait. Hold on a second. Three? What's with the three? No, no, no. The three has got to go. Timon, you can't use two. There's already been a two. Ooh, you got a point there, big fella. It's not a sequel anyway. Yeah, more like a behind the sequel. A what a hookquel? Oh, you know, an in between quill. That's it. Pumba, my muse. It's genius. There. Now this title's a knockout. Ow! Not literally. Lavender's blue, dilly dilly, lavender's green. If I were king, dilly dilly, I'd need a queen. Who told me so, dilly dilly, who told me so? I told myself, dilly dilly, I told me so. If your dilly dilly heart feels a dilly dilly way And if you answer yes In the pretty little church on the dilly dilly day You'll be wed in the dilly dilly dress of lavender blue Dilly dilly, lavender green Then I'll be king, dilly dilly And you'll be my queen. Hello, citizens of the world. Tis I, Darkwing Duck. Yes, and you are listening to Disney On Demand. But don't be afraid. I've got your back. 
So I'm back once again, all of you D-heads, you couldn't get rid of me that fast, and I hope you enjoyed this week's show for the week of April 23rd, 2013, show number 37. I'd like to extend a very magical, spectacular thank you once again to the one and only voice actor veteran Kevin Schoen for stopping in here once again this week. Kevin has an illustrious career, you've heard him throughout a variety of different shows, commercials, and more, and I want to thank you, Kevin, once again for stopping in and sharing your stories with us and taking the time out of your busy schedule to talk with all the D-heads. I'd also like to thank the D-team, yes, Lexi, Jason, and Aaron, for stopping in once again with their signature segments. Without you, everybody would have to just hear me ramble week in and week out. Thank you. You help make the show enjoyable and entertaining for all the rest of the D-heads. And most of all, we'd like to thank all of you, yes, the D-heads, You are the ones that keep us coming back every single week. You're the reason that we continue to do this show. With a little bit of magic, a little bit of fun, and bringing those memories to the table, you guys are the reason that we come back with Disney On Demand week in and week out. So thank all of you D-heads for stopping in and making the show happen. So before I let you go, I do want to give you all the different ways that you can stay connected with us here at Disney On Demand. And first and foremost, you can always visit our official website at DizRadio.com. That's D-I-Z Radio.com. There you can find our full list of past shows, our archives, connect up with the D-Team. You can find our full list of current blogs, news, and more. And you can even listen to our Lifetime of Disney Flash Player right there on the website where you can listen to over 300 plus television shows, specials, TVs, parades, and more right there on our website. And once again, that's at DizRadio.com. You can also find us all over the social media outlets. You can find us on Facebook at Facebook.com slash Disney On Demand. You can also friend us on Facebook at Facebook.com slash Disney Blue, and that's B-L-U. You can find us on AOL, Instant Messenger, Instagram, Skype, and Twitter, all by just typing in, yes, you guessed it, Disney Blue, B-L-U. You can also call our Magical Memories Hotline, where you might just hear yourself here on the show with questions, comments, and more. Just call that number right there. You can also connect up with us all over your phone and mobile devices by getting the Stitcher app, where you can listen to us absolutely free on your Droid, or you can download our absolutely free iPhone app. Just type Diz Radio right there in the App Store and download it and get it in the palm of your hand. And remember, you can always subscribe to us right there in iTunes. Just type in Disney On Demand or Disney Blue, and you can subscribe and get the latest shows, the most current shows, right there in your iTunes. So all of you D-heads, as I let you go, thank you once again for stopping in. It has been another fantastic week. We had some fantastic guests. We have somebody very special lined up for show number 38 next week. So I hope you enjoyed a little bit of magic and a little bit of memories once again here this week. So before I let you go, as I always say, never neglect family for business. Until next week, all of you D-heads, I'll catch you online. Coming to a place like this, which isn't in the wilderness, but has been so skillfully created that we almost appear to be in the wild, I think will be very mind-blowing for many people. And I can walk past here and, you know, feel, yes, I can use my binoculars. There might be a gorilla in the forest there, and they can hide away, which is exactly what they do in the wild. So that people get a very real experience, and one which I believe will be very meaningful very many people, especially looking into the eyes of a gorilla when he can go away and he can vanish in the forest. He isn't cooped up in a tiny cage with no possible opportunity to go away. I think it's wonderful. 
Thank you for tuning in to Disney Blues, Disney On Demand. The content and thoughts expressed are those of the show and not the Disney company. Now go on and relive the magic, memories, and appreciation from your lifetime of Disney. See you real soon.